0: Hi, Mac, how's it
1: going? Hi, Mom. It's going well. Um, I've got a beautiful Hoshi taking a bath right next to me. She's pretty much the cutest thing besides Luffy. And um, yeah, just just a Saturday, chilling mm-hmm. with my mom. What could be better?
0: In uh, late January, and we've got some like temperatures in the mid sixties, just normal.
1: Very normal. That's all that's the normal. Sp- the sp- spring trees are starting to bloom, so that's great. Um, I hope definitely makes get it below feel like
0: again.
1: I know they'll all just
0: they'll all die.
1: <laughs> they'll all die. Like, yeah. Well, that happens literally every year now. Is like we get this weird warm period. The flowers are like, oh boy, it's my time. Oh, now you're dead. So yep. that's not fun. No. Um, climate change scares me. So there's that. Um, Yeah. You know, I love a good piece of escapism these days.
0: (laughs) Have you found any? Uh,
1: Well, you know, that game I was really into, Baldur's Gate, I have played almost 400 hours of it. And so now I think I'm officially burnt out and I feel lost. Like I don't know what to do now. I keep trying to find another game and I'm not finding one. Um, nothing that hits the same. But okay, you're gonna laugh. So I had heard just the fall of the House of Usher. That name thrown around. My dumbass. I first off did not realize that was an Ed Allan post story. Secondly, did not realize that was a Mike Flanagan show. Thirdly, thought it was a Ryan Mur I was like if it's anything it's probably like the people versus OJ Simpson kind of thing like a Ryan Murphy oh. drama <laughs> series about a real life thing there must be some there must be some group of people I don't know about and that's what it is and then I'm scrolling on Netflix trying to find something to watch randomly and I see um hunk hunkarino 5000 Rahul Kohli in the preview for uh Fall of the House of Usher and I'm immediately like meerkat perk like what? Now I'm interested and I was like, "Oh, it's a Mike Flanagan thing." So I watched like five episodes of that. Now, okay, here's the thing. I don't hate that show, but if you put that next to Midnight Mass, Mass yeah. It looks like dog shit because yeah. Midnight Mass is like a masterpiece, truly like one of the best shows. I think like to me it's the top of the Mike Flanagan list. But the thing is I'm entertained by this but it really does feel like if Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story plus Slasher plus Succession had a baby and the baby was ugly, that's what it is.
0: <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I didn't love it. I mean, people were like falling all over themselves when it when it came out. And I did watch it. I watched it all. Um, but And I'm a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan and I'm a huge Flanagan fan 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 Flana fan Flana fan yeah um i didn't love
1: it so many things in it upset me because it's kind of like what we were talking about with feast where i'm looking at some of these like obviously being rich okay crime not that it's any of these kids fault that their dad has this empire but what bugs me is so many of like the reasons why they die, I'm like, this really isn't that big of a deal. Like, I don't think the punishment fits the crime here. Like, um, and some things are also confusing. Like, okay, spoiler spoiler alert, Rahul Kohli and the cat. I was like, it's never explained why he killed the cat in the first place. Like the first time he killed the cat. Like he, is it just, a, was it a drug filled stupor? I want to know what happened there. That's far more interesting than the weird... Telltale cat, you know, in his house. Ha- like, I don't there were so many moments like that where I was like, what's the real crime here? And that woman who's got like the cut queen thing going on. I was like, you know what, this seems consensual. So whose business is it? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. She's not cheating on the husband. Like, he's in on it. If he doesn't want to be a part of it, he can just break up with her. She's got to die over this? Like, I don't know. I don't see the big deal. If and it felt kind of really rude. I'm like, it would be more interesting if we had a positive depiction of like that kind of arrangement, but it's just presented as like, guys, isn't this fucking weird? Like, no, I think done consensually who cares?
0: Well, I, t- I agree with that. I, I mean, it will be revealed, so I won't say anything. Um, there is a reason and, and you're also right. Like, n- n- you know, these kids are not, um, crims. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not
1: very strong. It's
0: no, it's not.
1: And it's just a lot of shock factor.
0: And also it's, it's like, you know, shoehorning the post stories into this story. It's like, I, some things lend themselves very kind of naturally. Like I, I also think the Hill house one is a masterpiece. Mm. Um. I think that one is super strong. Um, But I don't think Bly is as strong. And I don't think this one, uh, I think this is the weakest one. For sure. um, Of this thing that he's doing right now. Yeah. I know you're not a huge fan of Hush, but I was pretty, you know, I was pretty impressed by that when it came out. But yeah, I I just was like disappointed. Yeah. That's how
1: I feel too. Like, it's, it's good. Um, it's like a good bag of potato chips. Like I'm not going to say it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Like I'm watching it. I think I'm like medium, like when I'm on the elliptical, it serve. it makes me forget I'm on the elliptical and that that's what I'm looking for. But is it good? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, w- again, you put this neck, like I'm shocked thinking that the guy who made Midnight Mass is the same guy who made this. And I think it's a shame because I love this cast of actors. I really love them. I think, like, I don't know. They can do no wrong in my eyes. Even the weakest one of them, I'm like, I don't care. I'm into it. And in Midnight Mass, they, they were all just like chef's kiss. And in this one, they're doing the best with what they got. But the yeah. what they got is bad.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> all that's <laughs> completely fair. Yeah. For sure. And I kind of feel like, like, you know, like it's TV and it's still better than most TV you're going to watch. So
1: But the that bar is like couldn't be further below the well, ground.
0: That's very true. Um, I mean, there are worse things you can. That's a terrible thing to say. Like, there are worse things you can watch. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. Not a ringing endorsement. Um, <laughs> you could also just like, not ever watch this, and you you'd be yeah, fine. my life
1: would be <laughs> net zero. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I will say I'm just like such a huge Rahul Kohli uh, stan. I love that man, and he can yeah. do no wrong in my eyes. And I I forget the actor's name, but. They don't interact, actually, but the guy who plays uh, Detective Babineau in iZombie, him being in the show, I was like, yes, add this guy to the cast of characters, please, because I love that actor. And it was like a great, I don't know, to have those two be on the same show again. I'm like, okay, yeah, just... Keep these people, please.
0: But I think I'm kind of with you because it's one of those shows where like somebody gets knocked off every show. Yeah, and I'm sad. Spoiler, and yeah, and after I think this was like the fourth one that he got knocked off, and I was like, well, I'm not as into this anymore.
1: And they so early compared to some of these other actors, like like on my list of like. Faves, he's at the top to and him. And I, I don't remember the actress's name, but the actress who plays, I think her name's like Vaconia, um, who does like the chimp experiments. I love her too, but I feel like she wasn't given anything, like she's barely in it. Um,
0: oh yeah, I can't remember that actor's name. Yeah, she's yeah. great,
1: but she's wonderful. She's beautiful. She, and
0: I, I don't know fly, yeah, you know. and they're
1: great in that. Yeah, she's like. To me, the shining light in Bly because him and her, because yeah. I did not think Bly was very good. I actually don't even think I finished it because I was after they left, I was so bored. My faves are gone. What am I supposed to do now?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I need something to watch too. I might go back and watch Succession, actually. No. Mm-hmm. I think I'll probably just try to find some movies, you know, to to dip into. Um I did watch one that our friend Stefan recommended that I do want to rewatch. It's called birth slash rebirth. Have you seen it? I don't think so. It's got, um, what's her name? Something Ireland. And then, um, okay. Remember that show called scrubs? Yes. And the one that was like, um, uh, the Dominican.
1: Oh yeah. Carla. Carla. I don't remember the actress's name, but yeah,
0: same. <laughs> she's she's the lead, and then this other. You never watched Sneaky Pete, but the woman who was in Sneaky Pete was mm. in this. Uh, anyway, they're both great. And then you probably didn't watch Mr. Mercedes, but there was another actor, and her name is like Brita Wool, and she's also in it. So three really strong female performances. Nice. Yeah, birth slash rebirth. And it's probably an hour and a half and, and you can watch it. I mean, I'll have to watch it again. (laughs) Cause I'm like, wait, what? Um, at the end of it. Um, so I have to watch it again, but I, you know, it's enjoyable. Um, nice. Yeah. But I, I, I should, yeah, I really need to like, find like a director. Yeah. Just just go down. Have a list. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like that maybe not Argento you know
1: I feel like I'm going to be well not that I talk to any sort of like huge horror aficionados but like sometimes I feel like like I'm left out of the or like there's a joke I'm not getting when I whenever I watch an Argento film where I'm just like this guy, this like. Sorry if I sound uncultured, but um, I hated this movie. <laughs> I
0: okay. I I didn't hate it. I actually like this one. Um, I think it's kind of fun. I don't like I a Tenebrae for me is like you can't get any yeah. better than that one. That one is. I'll watch it right now. I love that. <laughs> I love that movie. But this one I don't love. Um, and I watched it twice. Like, you know, in a couple of days. Um, Do you want to hear something
1: wild? Is like, well, I paid the $2 to rent this on Amazon. I only had like 20 minutes left and I couldn't do it. And then I waited too long. I had to pay another $2 to finish it because I was like, I can't finish this movie. Like, I was like, I'm going to die if I have to watch any more of this. And then when I watched it and it ended, I was like, yes. So um, that's how I feel. I paid $4 to... (laughs)
0: Oh, I think I watched it for free, but it's on some channel I guess I have and you don't, like MGM Mm -hmm. or something.
1: (laughs) I have it, you don't.
0: (laughs) Well no, I didn't mean it like that. No, I know you I I am paying for it. I just didn't pay (laughs) for it, you know, separately. Do you want to get into it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. right. (laughs) So um Deep Red, here's the plot synopsis from IMDb. A jazz pianist and a wisecracking journalist, is she?
1: <laughs> Barely.
0: <laughs> Are pulled into a complex web of mystery after the former witnesses the brutal murder of a psychic. In Italian, this is Profondo Rosso, directed by Dario Argento, written by Argento, and Bernardino is a pony. Starring David Hemmings, Daria Nicolodi, Gabriele Labia, uh, Macha Merrill, Eros Pag- Pagni, Julia Calandra, Nicoletta Elmi, Glaucomori, and Clara Calamai. Cinematography by Luigi Cuvelier. Cu- Cuveller, I don't know. Edited by Franco Fraticelli. Music by Giorgio Gaslini and Goblin, and I heard that Goblin had a day to come up with the music for this, and wow. it was their first soundtrack. And I can't get it like <laughs> it's like stuck in my head.
1: I will uh, say I do think that the music is a very strong. I, I know you. I know it's getting stuck in your head, but there are parts where I'm like, they had to have this crazy music here because nothing's happening. So we're watching a man scale a building for ten minutes. So I'm glad this crazy music is behind
0: this. (laughs) There are two sections of the film that I feel go on like way too long. That's one of them. Um, I'm like checking, like I'm still
1: watching this guy's butt as he scales this building.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And maybe it's when they're at the the school. I don't know. But there's another section where I'm just like, okay,
1: (laughs) okay, Argento. (laughs)
0: This was released on the 7th of March, 1975 in Italy and has a running time of 126 minutes. How do you feel about this runtime, Matt?
1: Too long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Could have been cut so much.
0: (laughs) A lot could have been cut. You probably could have cut.
1: It would be a much better movie because, again, there are shots in this film that I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, t- it takes my breath away. I'm like, wow, that was great, um, and and if only there wasn't all of this other stuff that makes me fall asleep in the midst of it, it probably would be like, I would add like two stars.
0: I bet. I bet there's some other things that you don't like about it. Yeah. Besides the runtime.
1: But the runtime and the like, the dead air on it is the worst part to me.
0: Yeah. Well, in the opening shot, while a child song (laughs) is playing in the background, a scream is heard, a bloody knife is thrown to the floor and a youngster's feet stand by the knife. And I guess um, it's a little bit of a, a, not a switcheroo, but a misdirect because it sure looks like the youngster is a girl um, Mm, based on their footwear.
1: Also, you know, European fashion. I feel in like the little
0: seventies. I guess.
1: I, I feel like you know, there's a lot of little boys' clothing that that like ekes onto looking like girls' clothing.
0: There was some pretty offensive stuff here, um, in terms of Carl character. Yeah, and I guess why he was an F slur.
1: Yeah, I, that that was an I, and and gosh, as soon as that got brought up, I was like, well, he's going to be tied to the crime in some way.
0: <laughs> so, but then we are in the present day, well not the present day, but in the in the context of the movie, the present day, and Helga Ullman is is um at a lecture with Professor Giordani and Mario Bardi. During the presentation, Helga demonstrates her psychic prowess by telling an audience member that he has one hand in his pocket and the other is flashing a peace sign. (laughs) You have one hand in your pocket. And I'm like...
1: (laughs) She's Alanis in the room with us right now.
0: (laughs) Helga reacts violently, to say the least, (laughs) to a premonition of a, quote, twisted mind. And she says... You have killed and you will kill again. Helga also mentions a singing child. (laughs) Someone in the audience gets up and leaves. The camera glides over a series of children's toys, including a rusty switchblade and a devil figure. Like, I kind of thought that was cool. Like, also very 70s, like, the dolls they gave us were, like, made of (laughs) yarn. Mm Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, it's like they were like, "Here, kids, <laughs> go play with some yarn and some marbles." Yeah. But I thought the fact that there was like a devil, um, doll, <laughs> and a then a rusty switchblade was significant too. Later, Helga tells Jordani that she may know who the killer is, and that she will write it down <laughs> and tell him tomorrow. Then she is killed. When the killer attacks her with a meat cleaver, the killer takes Helga's notes. And oh, but right before that, you see the table. Did you see the table with the pentagram? Yes. Oh, that was pretty cool. hmm Well, we also hear that song right before she's killed.
1: Want to give it to us one more time?
0: da 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 Okay, it's a little um it's a catchy little tune that um do you remember that Black Mirror episode where like people like killed themselves by like like sticking skewers through their ears or whatever? Which one is that? Hated in the nation.
1: Oh, I don't remember that part.
0: There were like these there were like these, um there was a fake B one and um they I don't know like some some I don't know, some bee would get in their ear and they would go nuts. Ah. That's why but I'm on the b I'm on the edge with this song. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. The killer, all we know about the killer is that they are wearing a brown raincoat and black leather gloves. And they're also wearing I mean not not to like gender shoes, but I mean they do look like male shoes.
1: Yeah, um,
0: anyway, you also have
1: like a very Carmen San Diego yeah. vibes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, the killer leaves her for dead, takes Helga's notes, and begins to look through her paper while Helga tries crawling away. Down in the square below Helga's apartment, Marcus is talking to his inebriated friend Carlo. Marcus expresses concern over Carlo's drinking, but Carlo says that so long as he remains drunk, he's happy. He then says that although they are both piano players, he plays for survival and Marcus plays for art. They walk past a bar that looks like Hopper's Nighthawks. They hear a scream and Carlos speculates that someone is getting raped.
1: Yeah, the way he says it is just like, "Haha, that's probably happening right now. Whatever.
0: <laughs> like, damn. Okay. And, Hem- and the, uh, Marcus is kind of like, that's a real fucked up thing to say. Uh, But then he's like, oh, you're drunk. (laughs) Like... It's not just a...
1: Even if you're drunk, it's pretty unacceptable.
0: Shortly after Carla leaves, Marcus looks up and sees a bloody Helga crash through her apartment window. Marcus runs up to Helga's apartment, helps her dead body out of the broken window, and sees a person in a brown raincoat running away through the square.
1: Okay, this, like, set me. I was like, I know it's not like they had intensely great forensics back then, but you're going to the crime scene and just sticking your grubby little hands all over everything? You Like, why wouldn't you call the police first? What's wrong with you?
0: I don't know. This happens a lot, I feel, in Jollo. It's a running
1: match. theme in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: not just this movie, but, I mean, in every Jollo that you'll see, I think.
1: Yeah, like, people just got to – I mean, I guess maybe it's a representation of how now they're, like, getting fully intertwined with the crime, but it just makes me lose um, – like, my sense of disbelief <laughs> is already, like, on on – I'm at the edge of my – I'm at the end of my rope here, and then that just snaps it, and now I'm just mad.
0: <laughs> right. I did think it was kind of cool, like the the glass that's like coming out of her neck. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty nice, but you know, it's the '70s, and it's like the the blood tech. Oh, is it's not so there yet. So bad. But we're full on like pre-K tempera paint. Like I don't know if you had this by the time you know you came along, but they had this paint that like came in powder form that, you Mm. know, you poured water in it. Oh yeah. And then it, yeah. mm -hmm. Did you have that kind when you were in school? Okay. That was still around.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. (laughs) Um, a little later, the police arrive and question Marcus about witnessing the killing. Marcus feels that something from the apartment is missing, but cannot put his finger on what it is. Just then, Johnna Bretzi a feisty photojournalist, enters the apartment but is told to stay away by the lead detective. After his interrogation, Marcus speaks with a drunk Carlo again in the square. At Helga's funeral, Jana points out several men who were close to Helga. Marcus sarcastically thanks her for printing his name in the local newspaper and declaring him a witness, which would make it easier for the killer to come after him.
1: Yeah, I literally wrote down that is Buck Wild. Like that's like why we have witness protection. Is like you don't do that. That's crazy. <laughs> I would be so mad.
0: But she doesn't get this. Like I don't know if she's on the spectrum, but she doesn't get the sarcasm because she's like, "You're welcome." I think
1: she's just a dumb woman.
0: My like, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then they get into the tiniest car in history. <laughs> <laughs> this was like what
1: what is the tone of this film? <laughs> this is like reminds me of the scene in Monsters Inc. where they get into like uh Mike Wazowski's new car. I think actually that was a deleted scene, but then there's like all he has all these different, you know, doodads in his car. And then, you know, um she's like did you use the lock? Oh no, now you've ruined everything.
0: <laughs> like what is this death trap? Jana suggests that she and Marcus work together to find the killer on their own. After discussing Helga's premonition with Giordani and Mario, Marcus aggressively converses with Jana about his anti-feminist views, specifically that women are weaker than men. So, Jana and Marcus arm wrestle.
1: No, they have a, in an in Indian fight, <laughs> or Indian whatever Russell. she calls it. Yeah, the yeah. Indian wrestle. It's like, wow, never heard that before.
0: I, I have, but it's been several decades. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, okay, where this movie goes, I understand then why this scene is in there. You know, like, he has this whole idea that women are gentler and you know, are not harsh and not strong in any way. And that's supposed to put that into the audience's minds, like that idea, which um, I think it would have been cooler if she had just straight up won the arm wrestling. Like she did cheat in the end. I think it would have made for a great scene if she had just simply won that -hmm. contest. But she does cheat by lifting up her elbow, which just makes her seem like she's desperate to prove her point which is a failing point. I just feel like it's a dumb way to do that scene. I don't, I think it's great to have a male character who has those ideas because they're commonly held beliefs, but why would you prove his point in the scene? Mm-hmm. That, that's weird to me.
0: Marcus speaks to Carlo's mom who mistakes him for an engineer. She tells him she was an actress, but she doesn't think it's good to dwell on the past. Marcus walks in on Carlo's partner and finds Carlo drunk in the bedroom and referring to himself as an F slur. Carlo encourages Marcus to leave, to leave like Italy.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I, I was going to say, it's like, I, again, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm disappointed with how this movie goes. Cause I felt like this scene was actually kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Like Carlo's partner is a very sweet person. Like, they're just very nice and just like, I love that guy, but I'm worried about him. And it seems very normal, you know? But as soon as I saw that scene, I just was like, well, I know I, and I had the thought, well, he could not have killed the psychic, but I know he's going to be inextricably tied to this because he's gay, which makes him a bad person. Like, I just knew it. And
0: I was right. Yeah, a bad person, maybe, I'm, I'm not saying any of this is is right, but I mean, you know, given the time period, I guess, um, and I guess Argento, you know, if you're gay, you were made that way. Yeah, um, something,
1: bad happened, something bad happened to you. Something bad
0: happened to you. That's why you're that way. So yeah, for sure. And I even... I even
1: feel like if you have a character who hates himself, perhaps because he's gay, and now he's an alcoholic, I'm not even saying that's bad. Like that's not, that has definitely been something that has happened to a real person, but it's not handled with care in that sense. It's kind of presented as like, well, now you guys all know why he's an alcoholic, right? It's because this horrible fact about himself that he's ashamed and everyone should be ashamed of. It's not presented as like, oh, look how sad this man can't accept himself for something that is fine and beyond his control. It's just, guys, now you get it, right? It would be sad, wouldn't it? When it's like, is this doesn't seem like a bad relationship he's even in. This person cares for him. You know, his partner cares for him. That's
0: great. <laughs> and it's a little confusing, too, because Marcus, you know, isn't, like, horrified or anything like that. I mean, he's just, like, like maybe he's surprised, but he doesn't comment on it at all. And he's, like, making meaningful eye contact with, like, the partner and, like, treating them with, like, a lot of care, you yeah. know, and respect. And so it's kind of confusing because Carlo hates himself, And it's a little unclear, like, why if, you know, nobody else thinks it's a problem. Yeah. Marcus goes to his apartment to compose some music. As he is playing, some dust falls on his piano, and we get a POV shot of someone walking above Marcus's apartment. I gotta say, both of these movies are a little confusing in terms of, like, what time of day it is. Did you get Uh, that at all? This
1: feels like it's at nighttime.
0: Except that, like when he's composing music, like the glass above him, there's like light coming through there. So I was like,
1: "Is it day? Yeah." But then when it's just in his room, it feels like that was shot at night. Like when they don't show the ceiling again. Yeah. Um, but I do love this scene. I think this is one of the good scenes in mm-hmm. the movie. I think then when he starts playing the piano but knowing that somebody could be outside. I thought that was genius. Like he's trying to like make it seem like, Oh, I don't know. Anybody's here. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked that.
0: Yeah. So he soon hears the children's song. I won't do it again. Followed by the sound of his door creaking open. Marcus becomes nervous, but continues playing the piano one handed as he grasps a birds. Uh, uh, like uh, it's like a staff, but it's got like a bird head on the top of it, uh, as a weapon. As the phone rings, Marcus jumps up and pulls the door to his room shut just when the killer attacks. The killer leaves and whispers threats to him, or sorry, the killer whispers threats to him through the closed door before leaving.
1: And this is confusing because this voice to me sounds pretty masculine.
0: Yeah, the voice is like, well, maybe I didn't get you this time. Your your days are numbered, or something like that. Of course, it's a giallo, so, like, everyone said the lines in their own language, and then everything was dubbed. Speak speak Italian, German, English, doesn't matter. It's all going to be dubbed into English at the end. The next day, Marcus goes to a record store, and after going through albums of children's music finds the song he heard. He meets with Giordani and Mario, who tell him a folktale, who tells him a folktale involving a haunted house.
1: This part, I begin to get so lost, so I will need your help. Like I, I This whole part, maybe I, w- my attention was just waning to the nth degree, but I I was very confused as to what was happening. I, I feel like a lot of this could have been cut.
0: Well, okay, so Giordani is... Um, the guy who kind of looks like Marcus Mm -hmm. and he's into the more like paranormal side of things or like scientific side of things. But then this other guy, Mario is, he's like, well, that's all interesting, but let me tell you this folk tale about a haunted house. Unlike a child, a child's song was heard you know, at, at, at this location after like a gruesome murder took place. And there's a book you should check out by this woman named Amanda Rigetti. And um, so that's the next part of the story where he goes to like find the book, he finds the book, and then he finds the woman yeah. herself.
1: I just thought that whole sequence was very weird of being like, yeah, I heard a story about a haunted house. Yeah. Like every scary story ever. And then it's like, well, no, it was real. Here's the actual book. And now this is a location you can go to. I was like, what, what? <laughs> like, like, I don't no, know. That's it's
0: exactly. Just- it. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> that's
1: confusing. Like that's like, that's like saying, yeah, I heard that one time somebody got scared. Well, it was actually this person in this city. Like, it is the vaguest story ever? Yeah, you well, know. And
0: also, I mean, if you start to like think about the killer showing up at all of these places, that doesn't make.
1: Any How do they sense. know? There's no internet. Yeah, there's there's no... no. How would you know to go? <laughs>
0: <laughs> In investigating the source of the music tune, the search leads Marcus to a novel titled "House of the Screaming Child," which describes a long ago murder. Marcus calls Jana. From a very busy coffee shop.
1: <laughs> the guy with like the espresso machine right next to him. Hey, why'd you
0: put that thing there? <laughs> and she can't hear him. And then she grabs somebody by his ear and is like, let me write a note on your chest. And the guy's like, okay. <laughs> I, don't know. I guess you're that like feisty journalist.
1: You John know those retzy. feisty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, the camera glides over the doll, the black gloves, and we see the eye of the killer, presumably. Mm-hmm. And attempting to find Amanda Rigetti to talk to her about her book, the killer arrives at Rigetti's villa first and murders her.
1: Okay, and now I need to bring up where I really got confused
0: because I totally thought this was the reporter.
1: I thought (laughs) the rigetti because the hair is the exact same. Mm -hmm. And I had not, like, I just got, you know, white face blindness. Like, this happens to me in movies. If if you have two white people with the same haircut, I'm going to get them confused. It happens so... And I don't know who the actors are, which I obviously don't know these people. And I thought this would... I thought that he told journalist about this place and she went to go investigate it and then she got killed like i and so then later in the movie i start getting so confused um so yeah i really in my head the journalist has just died
0: (laughs) well i get i got confused too because i do think that the guy who plays giordani looks similar to the guy who plays marcus and so Spoiler, when Giordani died, I was like, wait, what? They killed, like, the main, <laughs> the main guy? Character? <laughs> so <laughs> I totally get that. But, no, this is the writer. Um, But <laughs> she she sends somebody on, at the beginning of the scene, she's like, well, thanks for coming by. Um, see you in a couple weeks or whatever. And she lives, like, way out in the country. And then this lady takes off. She goes in her house. And there's a doll, a baby doll, like, hanging, like, by a noose, like, from the ceiling. And she's just like, huh, weird. And, like, just, you know, walks outside, like, the outside of her house. But I'm sorry. if I'm I, out of there. I, I live alone. Seemingly, this person does, too. If I come home and there's a baby doll hanging from the ceiling um, and I didn't put it there. it's a threat back in my house.
1: Yeah. And I wrote down, I said, okay. Like, I think everyone has that feeling of you get kind of scared by something, but then you realize, oh, maybe it's in my head and you push it away, even though maybe your gut feeling is like, you should invest it. Like, I think anyone with anxiety has had that feeling before of like, you're checking under your bed and you feel stupid for doing it. So I think it's great to depict that in a film, but I think what makes people so frustrated with horror movies when this happens is we don't get that from the character. We just get like, why the fuck are you ignoring this clear? It's not that we know what's going to happen. It's that any, any human would be dumb to not do any, like give us something to, to make it make sense why they're being dumb.
0: Right. If it was any if it was like something that could like conceive like if the TV was on. Like yeah. I could potentially leave the TV on, go to work, for not realize it, come home, the TV's on, and be like, I thought I turned it off, but it it's on. That's weird. Oh and then I'd like stay in I could see myself staying in the house. Yeah. Right. But this is not that this is like something anyway
1: it's like if somebody were i'm going to kill you on the wall and you're like who put that there, who put that I, don't there? Know. I don't
0: remember putting that there
1: guess i'll go oh, in the well. bathroom with my with my hottest pipes the water that has the pipes that have the hottest water instantly like these pipes are amazing
0: <laughs> um all right so she walks past the closet where we see the eye of the killer, kind of a cool shot, because mm-hmm. the eye is like all outlined in um, black eyeliner, and the, and like the closets completely black, so you just see this like blink it's like eye, so it's kind of <laughs> cool. Um, her pet bird goes mad, and then the lights go out. Also, if my cat or my pet of any kind is going mad like this, I, um that's a red flag. The creepy song is heard. Rigetti, spooked, holds out a knitting needle to protect herself, but one of her birds flies into it. I didn't need that. You think you know a lot of
1: I didn't need in that. Dumbass bird. There's a lot of animal cruelty in this movie. Like,
0: there's a lot of animal cruelty in seventies Jalo. Like it, like some... shocks
1: you when it happens. You're like, oh god, I didn't think I was going to be seeing this today.
0: But I mean, it's like pretty. Routine. I mean, I was going to warn you about it, and I forgot. Like normally, I would remember that, but it's so like, yeah, happens all the time. Rigetti is stabbed in the spine, then dragged into the bathroom and drowned in a bath with scaldingly hot water. I liked this death, though.
1: It was was like you know they keep bringing her back up, and like then her face is getting more and more burned. It was rough,
0: and I thought the special effects were pretty good. Yeah. But Rigetti manages to write a message on the wall of the steam-filled bathroom before she dies. Marcus finds the body, but aware that the police will think he did it, leaves the area without calling anyone.
1: This also made me lose it. Like, then when he tells somebody later and they're like, well, do you think they called it in? I was like,
0: (laughs) but you didn't. Like, not even an anonymous tip. (laughs) Like, like, come on. (laughs) Marcus removes a photo of the supposed haunted house from the novel to help him in his search for the mysterious house. The photograph shows some exotic palm trees on the house grounds. Marcus tracks down the greenhouse owner, who admits to selling a dozen or more canary island palms to that house, and procures the house's address from past records. Driving around, Marcus finally locates the house and learns from the caretaker who claims that no one had lived in the house before 1963 when the previous owner was killed. We also meet the caretaker's creepy kid, and there is some unnecessary lizard torture.
1: That That's the part that really shocked me, was I was like, oh, that's really happening. Like, this is really a lizard with a needle poked through it. And the way that the dad of this little girl is just like, I told you not to do that. <laughs> like, hey, I told you not and to torture slaps animals. slaps her in the
0: face also, and then she's like... Oh, I love <laughs> tasting <laughs> blood when you slap my face so hard that my lip splits and I can taste the blood. Like what in the what? fuck? Like is the movie like she's
1: just turned into the most interesting character and the movie's <laughs> not about her. Like <laughs> like can I get more about about this little girl who's the worst actress I've ever seen?
0: Oh, Sometimes she's not the worst. I mean, no, Harlow is the worst. Sorry, I spoiler. Think
1: I think also there's these got well, when we get to it, but uh, sometimes in our gentle films, it really feels like he just looked outside on the street and was like, you come here. Can I have you for like five minutes? And then put him in his movie. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like these people don't even know where to look like with the
0: camera. <laughs> Marcus, despite being warned by the creepy kid that there are ghosts inside the house, looks around and discovers a children's drawing on a wall, long plastered over of a Little boy holding an un, holding a bloody knife next to a murdered man. And I totally want a T-shirt with those drawings on it.
1: Yeah, the drawings were great. Right? Very cool.
0: Meanwhile, Giordani, and this is sort of cut in between these, these scenes happening. Meanwhile, Giordani investigates the Rigetti murder scene after the police collect the body and leave. And on a hunch, turns on the hot water in the bathroom and sees part of the message left on the wall by the murder victim. When Giordani returns to his office that night to investigate more, the killer breaks in and kills him too, but first distracts him with the creepiest of all creepy dolls, and then first by bashing his face against the desk and then stabbing him through the neck.
1: That creepy doll, highlight of the home i rewatched it multiple times the way it walks is so weird and even when it's on the ground face up and the body's still walking i was like oh how'd they find this thing it's so scary (laughs) it's
0: very scary
1: and that this again this stupid motherfucker breaks the doll he doesn't know where the doll came from but he smiles as if like well the danger's over now no (laughs) who put the doll there stupid (laughs) <laughs> and then when he gets hit in the head with like a fire poker, there's no sound. No. Like he might as well have been hit with a pool noodle.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: I said bonk out loud when I
0: saw it because that's <laughs> it just, and he's like, oh, you know, I don't know. But then when he gets stabbed in the neck, that's my favorite kill.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, spoiler. I'm going all out of order today. When Marcus learns of Giordani's murder, he makes plans to leave town, but then discovers the clue that he overlooked in the photo of the deserted house. A window on one of the walls is missing. Marcus returns to the house after dark, and after unsuccessfully trying to bash in the wall where the window was, which leads to him nearly falling off the scaffolding, he enters the house and, using a pickaxe, Bashes down an end wall in a hallway and discovers the secret room with a rotting skeleton next to a Christmas tree.
1: Okay, this is one of the scenes where I was like, how long can we watch this guy climb? And how long can we watch him break down this wall? Like,
0: a long man, time.
1: <laughs> a long time. And meanwhile, the goblin music, meow, 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 like the craziest <laughs> sounds
0: you've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> the killer arrives and knocks marcus out when he regains consciousness he finds the house on fire and jana by his side she had arrived in the nick of time to pull him out of the house a minute or two longer and you'd have been a roast duck baby
1: and here's where I was like, I must have mis- misremembered something. Why is she sitting before me totally alive? I start coming up with theories like, okay, this is a creepy doll movie. Is she a doll? <laughs> like, I'm just like, I don't know what's going on right now.
0: I guess it's conceivable. She could have pulled him down like at least two flights of stairs by herself.
1: Yeah. While the but house how- is flame. But how did she know to go there? And also, why didn't the killer just stab him in the neck?
0: Marcus and Jana go to the Villa caretaker's house to call the police and fire department when Marcus discovers that the caretaker's young daughter, Olga, the creepo, had drawn an identical drawing of the little boy with the bloody knife standing next to a Christmas tree. Olga tells him that she found the drawing and copied it from old file archives at her junior high school. what
1: she's like sometimes what i'm for detention i'm made to clean these and i was just looking through them meanwhile it takes him like eight years to find it how did this little girl find it and copy it from memory
0: (laughs) marcus and and jana break into da vinci junior high school to search the archives for the drawing when jana is stabbed by the killer and marcus finds the painting with the name on it which is Carlo, who appears before Marcus holding a gun and threatening to kill him for getting too close.
1: There is a scene here that I thought was also or a shot that's also great when Marco is sitting in a room looking at it and we see a shadow on the wall and we think it's just the shadow of him. But then it moves across and then that's when he gets up and realizes somebody else is there. I was like, okay, I got to give it to you. That one was great.
0: Also, this shot of Jana, like, with that, I don't know how to describe it. Like, she's in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, and then the upper left-hand corner of the screen is this really beautiful, beautiful window. Mm-hmm. It's, like, green and white, and uh, it's, like, really cool. It, it reminded me of Suspiria. There's, like, a shot like that in Suspiria, I think. Just then, the police led by the superintendent Calabrini arrive and Carlo flees. But in a twist of fate, he gets sideswiped by a passing garbage truck, which he gets hooked onto the fender and gets dragged down the street to his gruesome death.
1: Um, this was one of the scenes where definitely these garbage men in the truck were just two guys he pulled off the street because the way the B-roll footage of them, like talking to each other, there's no audio and they just look like they're opening, they're flapping their mouths, just saying anything (laughs) like this, I could just hear him behind the camera being like, okay, now just talk, talk about anything. Okay. We got it.
0: (laughs) There was also a shot earlier, which I didn't include where, there's a news story going on in the background and somebody is smoking like the fastest (laughs) anyone has ever smoked a cigarette, like in the foreground. So yeah, I totally agree with you in terms of like pulling people off the street with the case, apparently wrapped up with Carlo assumed to be the killer. Marcus drops off the severely wounded Jana at the hospital, but in going back to the scene of the crime tries to remember what he thought he saw. Carlo could not have murdered Helga Ullman because he was with Marcus on the street. When they saw the killer stabbing Ullman, Marcus enters the murder victim's apartment. And after looking around, finally remembers what he saw in a mirror reflection that night, the face of the killer. The identity of the killer is finally revealed to be Carlos insane mother, Martha. Martha suddenly appears in the apartment and reveals everything to Marcus. When Carlo was still a child, he watched as his mother murdered his father when the father tried to have her committed to a mental hospital. The young Carlo and mother then entombed the body in a room of their house. Wielding a meat cleaver, Martha chases Marcus around the complex and into the foyer with an elevator. Marcus gets hit in the shoulder by the cleaver, and in the process, he kicks Martha toward the elevator shaft. Her excessively long necklace slips through the crossed metal bars. She tries to pull herself away, and in doing so, the large pendant on the end of the necklace becomes lodged between two small metal bars. As Martha is desperately trying to free her necklace, Marcus realizes she is caught and presses the button to activate the lift. It travels downward, and the necklace starts choking her tightly. Her hands <laughs> her hands are clad in black leather gloves, making her fingers much too thick to slip in between her neck and the necklace to try to save herself before it's too late. The elevator provides so much force that the necklace ends up cutting through her neck, decapitating her, creating a huge deep red blood stain all over the marble floor.
1: Asterisk bright red blood stain.
0: That's what one of the, Oh that's what one of the people said. The <laughs> great <box>. minds. <laughs> and I think it's uh Jonathan Coartas, who's like director of one of my favorite movies. But anyway, <gasps> I really want to have him on the pod. Jonathan, if you listen, I know you always like my stuff on Instagram, but if you ever want to come on the pod, <laughs> we'd love to talk to you about your wonderful movie My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To.
1: Oh, that that movie.
0: You're a Call big writer, fan. You're a fan? You're a big I'm, fan. I'm a huge fan. Call writer Bernardino Zapponi said the inspiration behind the murder scenes came from him and Dario Argento thinking of painful injuries that the audience could relate to. Basically, not everyone knows the pain of being shot by a gun, but everyone has at some point accidentally struck furniture or been scalded by hot water. I do like that. That that's that's true,
1: and I think that's it's pretty insightful.
0: After the international success of Dario Argento's next film Suspiria, Profondo Rosso was released in Japan under the title Suspiria Two, even though <laughs> it has no plot connections to Suspiria and was made two years prior to it. The role of Carlo's male transvestite lover, Massimo Ricci, was actually played by actress Geraldine Hooper. Do, wouldn't we transvestite? The, wouldn't, Do we say male transvestite? Level?
1: No, I think that's pretty offensive. Um, yeah. I would say like crossdresser, I guess. Okay. I mean, like if he's presented as male, I guess it would be male crossdresser.
0: I think, I think the character is supposed to, I don't know what we're supposed to think because. I don't know either. I mean, I knew it was a woman, but there's like a, like a penciled in like mustache.
1: Yeah, so, I just thought it was supposed to be like a a gay man in a robe.
0: Yeah, but then like, like they're wearing a bra, so it's like, what's going on? I, and I yeah. feel like I feel like that's intentional. I feel I feel like Argento kind of likes that, like hmm. ambiguity, like you don't really know. Yeah, but sorry about that. Um, I just stole this. From Wikipedia. So I guess we could say the role of Carlos' cross dressing lover.
1: I don't even know if cross, like, we could just say Carlos' lover.
0: Carlos' lover. David Hemmings and Daria Nicolodi rehearsed the arm wrestling scene over 70 times, driving Dario Argento, who doesn't like to repeat things too many times, crazy in the process.
1: Wow, 70 is kind of egregious. <laughs>
0: Why? I don't
1: Yeah what what was the issue? Again, I think you just should have rewritten the scene.
0: <laughs> the film was originally titled La Tigra dadenndi uh, Scabula, the Sabretooth Tiger following the naming pattern of Dario Argento's pre- Dario Argento's previous thrillers. however, much to Argento's annoyance, other directors had started using similar animal- related titles for their own genre films, so he decided to go a different direction. This was the first movie um, with Daria Argento's longtime partner, partner Daria Nicolodi. She would appear in, if not play, significant roles in Argento's next five films until their relationship ended. What does Letterboxd have to say about it? Snailer Moon gave it a half star. This is easily a four and a half star movie, but it gets the half treatment due to animal cruelty. TJ gave it a half star. Ugh! It's pretty bad when even Joe Bob can't get me through a movie. I can't really give it a proper review. My attention kept waning. I was just not compelled in the slightest with anything going on. I guess some people find this film to be brilliant, good for them. My view, I've (coughs) taken shits more brilliant than the cinematic NyQuil.
1: I gotta say, that's pretty much how I feel.
0: I think cinematic NyQuil is... Pretty good.
1: That's genius.
0: <laughs> Odd Man Eric gave it one star. More like deep shit. Got him, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Dracosan gave it five stars. That wind-up doll might be the scariest thing in all of Argento's films.
1: That's fair. That doll was highlight. Peak.
0: Brad Hansen gave it four and a half stars. Some people like to nitpick about the finer points of the narrative, you know, like motivation and plausibility and all that to those people. I'd say it ain't that profundo bro. Just vibes. Jonathan Quartos gave it three and a half stars. More like bright red. Great minds. I have a phobia. We did erythrophobia last time and that's the fear of the color red. How would we rate it?
1: Um, hmm. Uh, mirrors. Sure. Mm, Two and a half.
0: (laughs) Oh, really?
1: (laughs) I really, I, if this had not been for the pod, I wouldn't have finished it, but I have to give it that doll earns at least two stars, but I feel like, if he had just cut so much of the film out and made it a little bit clearer as to what was going on, it, it could easily be much better because again, I think those shots are so good that they could have gotten me through it, but they weren't enough to get me through all of that.
0: Um, if you hadn't been watching it for the podcast, where, where would you have, when, when would you have turned it off?
1: That's a good question. Um, I would say probably when they started going to the whole like, like around that part with about the scary story, because that is really where I started to be like, okay, wow, this is rough. Um, but up until that point, I was like, I'm not into it, but I'm here, you know, but that would have been the point where I would have been like, okay, I can, I had, there's a better use for my time.
0: <laughs> but then you would have missed the scalding death and you would have missed the doll.
1: This is true. I would have missed the doll, which is the by and by and large the best part. But again, we should get to the doll a lot sooner. <laughs> what um, about you?
0: I I'm gonna give I'm with Jonathan Quartos, so I'll give it three and a half. Um I don't love it. I love Tenebrae, but I I don't love I it's fine. Yeah. I like it more yeah. than you do, clearly, but like, <laughs> give me tenebrae any day of the week. And twice on Sunday. Um, what have we learned from this movie? Um,
1: if there's a red flag, heed it. Heed that warning.
0: Yeah. Also, if somebody tells you to get out of town, I mean, no one's ever told me to get out of town, but I mean, I feel like if anyone did, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Sounds sound fair, yeah. I think yeah. it's probably something I should do.
1: Maybe like... um investigate things fully so that you don't just pin it on whoever's most convenient. Mm,
0: mm
1: -hmm. Even if they do like Carlo did commit a crime by shooting, but, um, you know, he still didn't do the other stuff. So,
0: um, moms don't make you gay. And (laughs) even if they did, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Yes. Would we watch it again? No. No. I will, but you won't. Um, did you have a favorite scene or kill?
1: Um, I mean, I love that doll scene, but I guess for favorite kill, I will go for the scalding water. That was pretty good.
0: Yeah, I like that one a lot, too. But I do like the, the, the knife through the through the back of the neck. I think that's uh, pretty brutal. Scary and yeah. Who wins the You Fool Award? Uh,
1: the The author.
0: Well, the author and the guy
1: with the doll, like both of them. The psychic, right. she was innocent in all of this. It's not her fault, you know. She, she was not a fool. That that came on pretty suddenly. Um, though maybe I wouldn't broadcast mm-hmm. during your seance that there's somebody with evil thoughts in the room because that means that there's people with evil thoughts in the room. Um, yeah. So maybe all of them are fools.
0: Yeah i th- i think the i think the author i just don't get that at all um, yeah i'm i'm with you too Giordani, like 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 you said like he thinks that everything's fine like as if the doll were as the if that's normal not the person <laughs> like who who are, is distracting you with the doll yeah so yeah but i think Regetti's worse because she goes into her own house Willingly. i don't know what she was expecting to find. Yeah, but um, yeah, a bunch of dummies in this movie. Fools, fools. You want to take a break? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up fear of dolls, and I um. I mean, obviously that's like just sitting right there on the table. Um, let's see. Pediaphobia is a fear of, is a type of automatonophobia, autom- autom- which is a fear Atom- of them. inanimate objects that appear human or a fear of anything that simulates a real human being. Hmm.
1: That's pretty creepy. Yeah. Uncanny Valley and all that.
0: And all that.
1: Well, should we get into it?
0: Yeah. Okay. Before we get into it, I looked up the age of the actor who plays Andy. Uh Uh-huh. He's the same age as Quinn. So as you're thinking about this movie, I want you to think about little Andy as little Quinny. (laughs) Oh,
1: I mean, he is so cute. I think I wrote in my notes. He is so cute. So many times they, they, that's a great child actor. Mm -hmm. He did a great job.
0: And he's still like, you know, he, he appeared in a number of the, I don't know if he appeared in all of them, but he appeared in a number of the films and he's been in the show as well. That's that's good. Great for him. I like
1: that with horror franchises. Whenever mm-hmm. if they bring it back, like they pay homage to the to the OGs. That's nice.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Spoiler alert. Uh <laughs> oh. Didn't like it. I I okay. I gotta say something to all you people who call this a classic. Okay, maybe it was iconic, but that doesn't mean that it's good. And I will stand on that uh, firmly. On that, you know what is a classic and is good? Nightmare on Elm Street. To me, good writing, schlocky, yes, but good writing. Um, doesn't make me uh angry. But this movie had me seething.
0: (laughs) Oh wow!
1: (laughs) Luffy wants to get out of here. Okay. All my children wanted to come in.
0: What a wonderful pantomime that was! Just so lovely to see.
1: Oh, did you see him stand up?
0: Yeah, he did. He stood right up. So
1: cute. And then, go like cats are just so they're they're just cats. You open up the door after they meow for it, and they're like, "Why'd you do that?"
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I don't know because you stood in front of it and screamed
0: at me. Oh, she came in and then went right back out. (laughs) (laughs) She's so cute. Um, All right, I, I just want to say, okay, yes <laughs> I dig your point there i I saw I watched this with a critical eye this time. I probably I don't know how many times I've seen it. The first time I saw it was in the theater when I was pregnant with your brother, so and I thoroughly enjoyed it
1: i I know listen, something can be enjoyable and still be bad. I True. was a fan of Jimmy Buffett, so there you go. Um, Rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Your songs were objectively not very good. But did I enjoy them? Yes. But that does not mean – I feel like that is an important distinction that needs to be made. Just because something is enjoyable, we can't just give it credit if it's written poorly. Okay. That's my point. Okay. I
0: do think – okay. I just – (laughs) okay. We'll get there. I – there are lots of problems with this, like massive, massive problems with it. But I do think there's some stuff going in on in here that's pretty clever. That's not like other creepy doll movies. Okay, I'll give it. my opinion. I,
1: I, you know, and I hope. I hope we do not have the Mac effect. That's not my goal here. The goal. I. It actually oh, it pains me head. sometimes whenever you're like, oh, oh, like I don't like this movie as much now because no. I don't want to make anybody enjoy something less.
0: But I can't. It I and I have me. so. Okay. It doesn't bother That's me. Good. I don't know about other people, but I can only speak for myself. I actually like it. Okay. Because it helps me to see it in a in a different light, and you've never like ruined something, you've never okay. ruined anything for me. You've just made me think about it in a different way. Okay, so I that, like that, that,
1: that. I'm cool with because like again, I I. To me, enjoying something is such a pure human thing. I would never want to trample on that for anyone. And I don't know what it is about me. I think this is true of most people. Of like, there is so much more to say when you have issues with something than there is when something's perfect. Because if it's perfect, all you can really say is that was great, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And i en- I enjoy pointing out things I don't like. <laughs> like it's a it's a favorite thing of mine because um, I get so passionate. Um, But okay. So I I will say I did enjoy this though. Like it's enjoyable. Like I can short and I, you can sit through the whole thing and have something to look at the whole time. Okay. So here's the brief summary of child's play from IMDB. A struggling single mother unknowingly gifts her son, a doll imbued with a serial killers consciousness. It was directed by Tom Holland with screenplay by Don Bancini John Laffia, and Tom Holland. Story by Don Mancini. It stars Katherine Hicks as Karen Barclay, Chris Sarandon as Detective Mike Norris. For in some angles, he really did look like McNulty from The Wire, especially when he had that cable knit sweater on. That was so McNulty to me. Um, Alex Vincent as Andy Barclay, Dina Manoff as Maggie Peterson, Tommy Swerdlow as Jack Santos, Jack Colvin as Dr. Ardmore, Raymond Oliver as John Dr. Death Bishop. Neil Gintoli as Eddie Caputo. Brad Dorif as Charles Lee Ray slash Chucky. Eden Gross as Friendly Chucky. Vo- no, as it's not Friendly Chucky. It's, um, you know, the good guy.
0: Yeah, buddy, or yeah, the good guy doll.
1: John Franklin as Walkabout Chucky. And Ed Gale as Chucky, the in suit performer. Oh, wow. Cinematography by Bill Butler and edited by Edward Warshilka and Roy E. Peterson. Music by Joe Renzetti. And it was released November 9th, 1988 with a runtime of 87 minutes. Perfect runtime. We got it under 90 minutes. You're my hero. (laughs) (laughs) So we begin with Detective Mike Norris chasing the fugitive serial killer Charles Lee Ray through the streets of Chicago and into a toy store after Ray is abandoned by his accomplice, Eddie Caputo. He's shot by Norris and is dying and is stumbling through the store. And okay, here's just where we get my first question is just he crashes through this bunch of dolls, a bunch of these these good guy dolls. And we just get still several shots of Mike Norris being like, where is that guy? Come on. You're in an empty store, like an empty, it's dead quiet, and somebody's just crashed through a bunch of toys, and you're like, Oh, I wonder where he is. Oh, come on. I it kind of put me off on a it put me in a bad mood <laughs> as soon as we get in there. Because I just want things to make sense, okay? I just want everything to to be clear or else I'm frustrated. Um but and then he starts loudly chanting a, a, a voodoo chant which okay i do find this pretty offensive also whenever in movies people are just like i don't know it's voodoo it's pretty like okay i mean it's a whole thing it's not just like voodoo you know um i think it's a thing mostly white people do you know in their movies like this is creepy but he starts performing this voodoo chant to transfer his soul into a nearby good guy brand talking doll And then the store is then struck by some 1988 special effects lightning and explodes. And then Norris finally finds his way to raise lifeless body next to the doll. I just Uh, want to say one thing. dolls. Yes.
0: Remember when Martin was on and we talked about Dr. Terror's house of horrors and there was that one voodoo story Mm -hmm. and they talked about, um, Damballa and, Apparently, you guys are not like huge Chucky fans because I was like, that's the God that Charles oh. prays to and Chucky. And you guys were like, oh, yeah, okay, old lady. <laughs> fun fact. Well, it was it a fun fact. fun fact. It was. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just remember that moment you guys were like, oh.
1: <laughs> is that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> i'm sorry i'll 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 show more it's it's less of being like okay old lady and more just being like i'll take your word for it like i didn't know that that's cool (laughs) (laughs) so um oh and i wrote down i love that he knows the chant off the cuff And chose the creepiest doll in the store to do it too. Yeah. Although Um, I'll
0: say, they rebooted this in 2019 and I didn't see it. I was going to watch it. It's not available. But I watched the Kill Count for it, the 2019 version, and that doll is worse. (laughs) Like way creepier. Well.
1: Because that's the thing is, I do feel like dolls were made like this. Like there yes. are dolls that are objectively creepy. Like the Little Patch Kids, some of those fuckers are so scary. Like you mean the
0: Cabbage Patch dolls.
1: Yeah, the Cabbage Patch dolls. Like they—they're scary. They're creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So like, creepy dolls are a thing that just get made. You you don't have to make them excessively creepy because that almost ruins it. Because you're like, well, how could anyone? not be like, I can't sleep with that thing. But but people legit have that feeling. My whole life, I've known people being like, oh yeah, my grandma's got this creepy ass room with all these dolls. I hate sleeping in there because they're all looking at me. Like That's a thing that everyone has experience with. So you don't need to make them too creepy. I think this is a perfect level of creepy. (laughs) So then we meet the widow, Karen Barclay. And Well, no, actually, first we meet her six-year-old son, Andy, who, yeah, she leaves unattended a lot. At first, I was very confused as to what's happening because he's shoddily putting together this breakfast, but it's such a charming little scene. Like it's, again, this kid, I just think nails the cute, adorable kid while also just being definitely a child so well because he's putting together this breakfast and, you know, he's pouring milk everywhere Like in the cereal, like it's all over the table. I was like I thought this was wild. He puts some toast in the toaster, it comes out black, and he just instantly grabbed that shit out of the toaster. I was like, son, that thing is hot. I can't do that. (laughs) Like this little kid didn't get his fingers burned. I I I wrote down, he just free grabbed that toast. And um oh then I also wrote, Did this scene make you nervous to have Sam?
0: Like I just imagine being pregnant, huh? and you're
1: watching this kid make chaos in this house. No, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And I also wrote that "good guy" is a hilarious name for a doll, because mm-hmm. um, he is watching like a cartoon. Apparently, the "good guy" brand is this also cartoon. But he's like, "Oh, I've already seen this one," and turns the TV off. Um, and I wrote down, "I love this kid. This kid is so cute," um, and. So we find out he's making breakfast for his mom and it's his birthday that he's doing it on, but he just wants to wake her up so he can get his presents and, you know, he gives her the breakfast and the mom is very sweet. Also. I love this actress. I think she does a great job and she's just like, Oh honey. Well, you know what? I'm going to eat this later. Do you want to open up your presents? I think this scene's so cute. Um, and, so it turns out that the good guy, you know, they got these dolls and he really wanted one for his birthday. And there is a toy box or there's a box that's wrapped that looks like it could be the same size as the toy. But when he opens it up, it's clothes. What kid wants clothes for their birthday? And he it looks so disappointed, but he's like, no, it's fine. Um, you know, I wanted the good guy doll, but she couldn't afford one because it was a hundred dollars. And apparently in 1988, that is $250 it would be $257 now. And yeah, that is a, a lot of money for a doll.
0: For a, um, There's no fucking way. Yeah. Like there's this no single mom way.
1: who works in like a department store.
0: I mean, and I think they're playing on the Cabbage Patch doll craze, because, which was earlier than this. But I mean, people did pay – a hundred I mean they paid a lot of money for cabbage patch dolls and um but I'm I'm like two hundred and fifty dollars? That's wild. There's no fucking way. I it's so
1: rough too now with like video games. Like if you want to get the you know, even like forget getting a game. You want to get the newest console. Like it took me and Alan years to get the PS5 because that's how difficult it was to get one. And it still is mm-hmm. you can't just go and get one. Even now. Really? And yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't just go and get one. Like you have to like, like we got it online and then to get a game. So after, so your parent first, first has to spend like $500 to get you the console. And then any game you want to get, regardless of quality is probably $60. Like they haven't changed that. And even like Nintendo, their old games, like a game that's like five years old will still be $60 today. You cannot sell a five-year-old game for $60, but they don't care. Um, so I just, i f- at least I feel like if I was a child trying to ask, you know, trying to, and, you know, you're feeling like you're missing out on all the fun. Everybody else is playing this game. At least I'm an adult now who can just waste my money if I want to. but. I, I feel bad for any kid who wants to play video games and they don't have a rich parent because you'd you know, have to be rich.
0: Now I do too. I mean, I feel like I can understand like somebody in their 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever, you know, like having a bunch of video games that they play. Like that makes sense because you, it's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. But like yeah. to think about spending money like that on a kid, like that's that's insane to me. And you don't even know if the
1: game's going to be good because there's also all these knockoff games getting made. So I can see and they exist so that parents who don't know, but they're like, I don't want to spend that much. I'll get you this. And that's all you get for like Christmas is a shitty game. Like, I just feel like that must happen to so many kids now. (laughs)
0: I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad I'm out of the game as far as that goes.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems rough. Um
0: And like the whole cabbage patch thing, like I didn't want one and I probably was like the wrong, I don't know exactly the dates, but like it, I was either too old or too young. I missed it. You know, yeah. it wasn't like a thing in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, But I mean, I remember the whole, you know, phenomenon and I, d- but I, and I didn't know about money. I mean, I didn't have any concept of money or anything like that. But, I mean, I just thought it was kind of crazy that people were getting, like, into fistfights and stuff, like adults were, you know, yeah. to get a hold of the, of these dolls and stuff.
1: I was just talking to Alan about this, about, um like, it. I remember when I was younger, and at one, at, like, a place that you worked, um, it was, like, the tutoring place, and I was mm-hmm. in... Like the break room talking with a coworker of yours. And she said something that I like, even as a kid, I was like, oh, that is so profound. It makes so much sense. She was saying that I think her grandson did not have, like they didn't let him watch just cable television, which is full of commercials. Um, and it's even worse now with like, you know, YouTube or other things. Um, or, like, influencers like showing off games that they're playing or whatnot. You know, but at the time, you have all these commercials that are like, Kid, do you need this thing? But she was like, Well, he can only watch PBS, and his Christmas wish list is just like very basic things, which to me is so much better than making a kid feel like to be happy they need to get like you're already getting the capitalist ideas into them of like you need to consume to be happy like that gets instilled to them so young and that's why you then have parents who do get into fist fights cuz they're like well my kid needs this thing they need to have it it's like no they don't they really what? don't and they don't even they wouldn't even know that they want it if they didn't see these manipulative commercials
0: well, a couple of things. One, I have this memory where, like, like we didn't watch a whole lot of TV when I was very little, and I just remember like being over at some friend's house, and them like every time the commercials came came on, they'd be like, "My dad's going to buy me this. My dad's going to buy me this. My dad's going to buy me this." And like a McDonald's uh-huh. commercial came on, and I was like, "My dad's going to buy me Ronald McDonald." Like, I didn't even understand, like, I just didn't even understand what we were doing, like, what game are yeah. we playing, because it, like, wasn't really a part of my childhood. There was that thing. But the other thing I wanted to say about this movie is the way that she is in terms of getting the doll for him, and then when she gives him the doll, and he's so, like, excited about it, um, and, I mean, she's buying, she really is, like, buying his love, and but she's like happy to do it, you know? Yeah. And they they don't get into like what happened with the dad, like I guess he's dead, but like, you know, or like, I don't know the, the guilt that she has, that she feels like having to work all the time or something like that. Like they don't s- spell any of that out. But I think the directing and the acting is really good because we see yeah. it on her face.
1: I think so too. And I think like he, she... They don't, they spell this more out, I think. And I think I did watch the remake, but I, but I didn't like it. I can't really remember, but I do know that they really point out multiple times in the remake that this kid has no friends, but that's clearly the, the idea here is that he wants, cause the good guy doll is presented as like a friend for your kid. He can say all these things to him and, Mm -hmm. and Andy treats him like his friend and like his companion. Um, And I do like that they never, they don't beat you over the head with just like, well, this kid's got no friends. It's just, we know like the mom doesn't have time to be like a homemaker and like arrange play dates and stuff. And he's in this city that's very cold and very like, you know, he's in, in a huge apartment building. He's not in like a suburban neighborhood where there'd be kids running around. So he's very isolated. So he must be very lonely that this is the one thing that he wants. Um, yes. and I think that is really good and it's done well and you, it doesn't need to be spelled out cause we get it from context clues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do like this mom. Like, I think this is a very sweet mom and she just wants the best, but is clearly struggling cause like raising a child is not a one person job. Um, it is a multiple people job. So I agree. Yeah. So we later see mom working at the department store and her her friend Maggie, who is the sweetest and is the best, love the I love that she has a female best friend mm-hmm. who is so close to. And she's like, Well, there's a homeless man out back who's selling these dolls. So let's go get one. And so she buys a discounted good guy doll. And he at first says, like, you know, gimme yeah, at first he's like give me $50 and she's happy to pay that amount because she knows how disappointed Andy is, but then her friend is like, "No, we'll give you nothing more than 10." And he's like, "30." And then they settle on like 25 or something. But I just love this her feisty friend. Um and so uh she then uh and then she has like the worst employer ever who's like, "Sorry, you're going to have to work late tonight." And she's like, "I literally have a child to get home to." And He's like, well, you know, too bad. So sad. I'll let you go home for like one hour and then you have to come back. So Maggie says that she'll babysit Andy for the night. What a great friend. And so in her one little hour break, she comes home and she gives Andy the doll and he's so happy. And then the doll is like, hi, I'm Chucky, which is not what the dolls are called. So we at the audience already know that's kind of crazy. It was a little bit weird. Um, and. So that night Andy and uh Chucky have the same pajamas. Um, they do look very cute. And they're playing with these like, you know, little there's like a good guy toy belt set and Maggie's in the kitchen. Um so then, you know, she puts Andy Oh yeah, at one point Andy's like, you know, Aunt Maggie, Chucky says he wants to watch the nine o'clock news. <laughs> and she's like oh did he now well you have to get to bed so tells him to leave and um and so then you know i guess she she's making like cookies or something she's got all this flour out um but we you know we see like chucky uh in the background Well, we don't really see him we just kind of know something's moving around in the background and this reminded me there's a great episode of buffy the vampire slayer with an evil doll and there's the scariest scene that like traumatized me in a good way I think um as a kid whereas like it's completely dark but this doll just quickly runs across the room and you just see its shadow and oh it's so scary and they kind of <laughs> do that here and um and I I also wrote down being a kid that no one listens to is very scary yeah because
0: yeah I feel very sad for this boy
1: me too like he um. he tries so hard so often and it just never Amounts to anything, um, and I also wrote down why did they ever name Chucky Chucky in the Rugrats? After this, <laughs> like there's a oh. character in the Rugrats with red hair named Chucky. Oh yeah,
0: maybe why would they I, do that? I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. He does kind of look like Chucky too?
1: Yeah, I, I and, but he couldn't, be, he
0: couldn't
1: be. He couldn't. Oh, and yeah, as a kid, obviously, I didn't know child's plays, so I didn't know that that was a thing. But I feel like if you were a parent watching. Maybe there were some who were like, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> um, so, so basically, you know, Maggie hears all this little skittering about and she feels kind of weirded out. But, you know, like we were talking about before, she kind of is like, well, you know, it's probably all in my head. And I think what's great, what is a good depiction of this is then there's a phone call and it's. Karen on the other line asking how things are going, Maggie sounds kind of freaked out. And she's like, you know what? I just I've been scaring myself. So, you know, she has a moment talking to another human, and that's why she gets snapped out. I think that's smart. But then you after she hangs up the phone, Chucky hits her with the with the little hammer and then pushes her out of the window. I was like, damn, this toy has so much force to push a grown woman, break a window, and then she falls to her death. Damn and then we'd see Karen get home from the bus which is another great little detail um, and she sees cops all around her apartment and breaks through and goes into her apartment and sees that Andy's okay but then learns that Karen ha- or sorry that Maggie has died so uh Mike Norris we see him again immediately suspects Andy, because then they they notice little footprints in the flower, and I guess very convenient that he happens to be the exact same shoe size as the good guy dolls. But Andy says that he doesn't know what happened, but later comes out and says, "I know who did it. It was Chucky. Chucky pushed Aunt Maggie out the window." And everyone's like, "Uh, okay, little kid." And Karen just tells him to go back to sleep, and then then he says to the mom. Well, Chucky says that his real name was Charles Lee Ray and he was an angel, or or that dad, you know, sent him back down from heaven to be my friend. And I just can't believe that that never comes back up. Like,
0: it does come up. What do you mean?
1: Karen never mentions that to Mike Norris.
0: No, but Mike Norris tells her that he shot Charles Lee Ray. So then she's like, But then.
1: no, but I I I know for a fact she does not mention because well okay I'll I'll get to it at that part of the story okay but um so later Karen finds Andy speaking to Chucky in the dark and <laughs> Andy relays the fact that Chucky says that Aunt Maggie was a real bitch and got what she deserved which obviously Karen just thinks is Andy speaking and blaming it on Chucky and so she's like how could you say something like that and she's shocked. And, um, so then she closes the door and kind of stands outside and, uh, we can see that Chucky, the doll knows that she's still standing there. So then he says in his little friendly voice, I like to be hugged. And then Andy gives him a hug. And so everybody still just believes that Andy maybe is a murderer. Um. I did also. Okay, so this this just begins my little bit of like, yeah, issues because I said, would the detective not find it suspicious that Charles died after chanting atop of the same type of dolls? Like, is that not you well, don't? I he never puts so, that together. They're
0: so ubiquitous that, like, mm. I mean, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. I think it's okay that he doesn't put it together because I, I everyone has to have this doll. Like, it's just become. Uh, just
1: that thing. i think that should have been made more clear because i just think for I, a detective I, you I don't think even think about that
0: you're too you're too young for this movie mac like you didn't have anything like this in your childhood like you don't understand like before people were like punching each other in the face to get cabbage patch dolls we didn't have people punching people in the face to get <laughs> toys we didn't have this is before people were like killing each other in Walmarts on black Friday. Like all you've lived, you've, you've had that in your background knowledge, but for me and people in my generation, when we were watching this film, we had, we had just lived through it. Like it was brand new. Okay.
1: Ah. I I take what you're <laughs> oh, saying. Your I still believe that there are parts of this movie that begin to, not gel with me where okay. i'm just like i cannot I, suspend these people are too stupid to to be real
0: okay i i think i think i've run out of cards to play because there's like <laughs> and you'll see all the all the bold in my notes is okay. me being like this is ridiculous like this is like insane the where this movie goes
1: I also just wrote like it would be crazy if a child pushed a grown woman out of a window. Like the fo- I I just think yeah, the force no. of that That's a, is that is
0: pretty hard to believe. I mean, I what Chucky tells Andy and what Andy tells the cops later is she saw she it's like she fell back backwards cuz she was so scared. Yeah. Which is sort of believable. Um but
1: Oh, it's also the mm-hmm. weakest glass ever cuz somebody would have already fallen out of that glass if that was the case, you know. Yeah, for
0: sure.
1: Like you think for an apartment window, it would be sturdier.
0: And for um, a window in Chicago where it's Yeah, like- where there's wind. Were- yeah.
1: It's known as the Windy City. And I also just wrote this is the worst birthday of all time. Your <laughs> your aunt Maggie dies, you get pinned, the murder gets pinned on you, mom has to work late. Damn. <laughs> And I also wrote this poor mom, because I do think she's great. Um, I think sometimes moms, they're not depicted very well, but I think this is a very well depicted mom. She's just mm-hmm. always there for her kid. Um, and I but I also said this room, and I, this is not just an issue with child's play. So many movies fall into this, pretty much every movie, but it's still a gripe of mine. I said, this kid's room is so decorated. And their apartment is so big for her to be too poor to spend one hundred dollars.
0: That's a problem, but that's also
1: that's every I mean, movie ever. That's every so. movie.
0: I mean, if if she if they yeah she'd be on a ground floor for one thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, it would be yeah a quarter of the size if it were like reality. I mean, I lived in a studio. You know, one of the apartments I had when when your brother was little was a studio. So yeah.
1: yeah. But that that's just ever present. Um, so the next day, Andy um, is going to school with Chucky in tow. Um, First I of love all, his.
0: <laughs> that wouldn't be allowed.
1: <laughs> I wrote that I was like bringing that that giant doll to school. The d- no the way. Doll,
0: like if if well, if you haven't seen the film, like the doll's just about as big as the kid.
1: Yeah, like, and I I thought. A really great way to to put, to write that in is if it had been like show and tell day or something. Like right. if he had said, it's show and tell day, so I'm going to bring Chucky to school. If Even that was a lie. Because I feel like you could have had Karen be like, honey, I don't think you can bring that. And then him lie and say, well, I want to show everybody the great present you got me. And then Karen could be like, oh, that's so sweet. He, he really loves this, that I got this for him.
0: I feel like these were young writers and these were people who didn't have kids. Yeah, who wrote this script because there's, there's no all, way this whole this whole day would w- never could have happened.
1: That's what I thought too. Was I was like, listen, I know it's supposed to be back in the day. I, I know kids were not as helicopter parented as they are today. But nobody on this bus, nobody in this area is like, hey, what's that kid doing here? Can we call somebody?
0: That's like. It's a decade late too late. I think you could Mm. have gotten away with this in 1978, but I don't think you could have gotten away with this in 1988. So I had a problem with that too.
1: But Andy skips school. Also, the school doesn't catch him skipping school, which I was like, well, it's a children's school. So they would be really on top of that because they wouldn't want a lawsuit. But yeah, yeah, I I do think the writers must have been young. And maybe- Maybe they grew up then and so they were like, Well, this is how it is. Maybe. <laughs> so Andy cut cuts school. He gets on a bus. This is a despite it being very unbelievable, it is a cute little montage of him just, you know, with the Chucky on the bus looking so cute in his little outfit. He looks adorable. Um and uh so the plan is. Chucky is trying to take him to Eddie Caputo's house cause he wants to tie up those loose ends. So uh, Andy gets off the bus off the bus in a sketchy neighborhood in Chicago with a bunch of houseless people, you know, with their barrels of fire. Um, <laughs> yeah. No one from the school calls Karen. Um, cause like, <laughs> that's just life in the big city. <laughs> um, So At one point, they're in this, like, I guess, area with abandoned homes. And and Andy's like, well, Chucky, I'll be right back. I have to go pee. And goes to pee in this trash heap. And Chucky sneaks away. And when Andy comes back, the rocking chair he put him in is empty. So Caputo's hiding in this disgusting house with all these huge rats running around. And um, Chucky comes in and uh turns on the gas stove but then blows the flame out so that uh Eddie won't realize that there's gas even though it would smell but I'll 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 let them have that um and yeah I did like this the the movement from the rocking chair um to like be as though Chucky has just like ran away is pretty great um, and the there is like a POV shot from way low on the ground from what would be Chucky's little POV um as he's doing all these things in the house. But Eddie stirs and he's like, Hey, who's in there? And he tries to figure out what's going on. And <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> he eventually, you know, goes down the stairs and uh he he at one point sees um, Andy outside as he's calling for Chucky, but he's kind of like, oh, okay, it's just, just a kid walking around. And I did like this. He like holds up his gun to shoot him. But when he sees it's the most adorable kid ever, he's like, oh, well, I can't shoot a kid. I was like, okay, at least he has, you know, a conscience of some sort. And, and so, but then he rounds the corner into the kitchen, fires the gun, and the house explodes in a great house explosion. That's an amazing house explosion. They did that very well. And it's it just in my notes. I thought this was funny. I wrote, ew, not the rats. And then right under, those poor dead rats.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, <yeah. laughs> Who almost have died in that explosion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do think something that maybe, and I don't know how you could do it in this movie, and it would be a completely different movie. But just an idea I had was like, What if you could do it, though, where you're not, if the audience wasn't sure that it was Chucky?
0: They, well, yeah. I think that was revealed a lot later in the original script. Um, Mm. And also, it was a darker script at first um, where um, Andy's blood mixed with the blood of the (gasps) doll. And it was kind of like all his, like, buried resentments and anger and stuff. And oh. it only came out at night.
1: Ooh. So, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. But it was all, yeah, turned into this, but that was the original vision.
1: Yeah. And I see what they're going for. I'm not even saying it's a bad move. Um, I think that would be a completely different tone, like you said, but it you know, it's a thought because we, the audience know this whole time that it has to be this doll, even though we haven't really seen it yet. We haven't seen Chucky in his full glory yet. Um, so later we see Karen at the station, um, because Andy is clearly a suspect because he's the only one who was there nearby of this giant explosion. Um, and so he's admitted to a psychiatric hospital the same day. Um, they, they move fast in Chicago. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) she didn't put up any fight either. She's like, yeah, I need a nap. Yeah. I think uh, she's at
1: her wits end. Maybe. And to me, okay, this is also where I was like, I know why this happened, because it's a film. But I'm like, would the move not be to just throw that doll away? Like, he keeps saying it's Chucky. And he even in the station is like, well, Chucky did it. And they're all like, okay, this kid is having some sort of break. Maybe it's time to throw the doll away. And- I think as the mom, she would have been well within her right to do that. But she takes the damn thing home with her.
0: It's 250 bucks, Mac. That's true. I mean, well, she
1: got it for a fraction of the price.
0: A, she got it for a discount, but still, I, I, yeah. Put I it in a cage wait. or something. I, I mean, they, here they are separating the kid from the doll, you know, That's the kid's true. In the psychiatric um, hospital and, and she's got the doll at home.
1: And I do like this scene. I think this is one of the I strongest think this
0: is scenes, the best. I, honestly.
1: But I also, I I also uh, noted though, I said because he says one of one of this doll's voice lines is like, "I'm Chucky and I want to be your best friend," and I was just like, "These cops, uh, you if I know cops are." C- not that they would go to this level of investigation, but movie magic cops are always better in movies than they are in real life. Um, it's true, and um, I just said a simple investigation would show that the good guy dolls don't have Chucky in their voice lines, and we know for a fact everybody knows that ch- that this
0: doll has said Chucky out loud. Um, I think they might all have different voices, though. I mean, different names because you know, following the Cabbage Patch conceit. Because the first mm. doll's name is Oliver.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't realize In that the commercial.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, but okay. But
0: also, but also, I mean, apparently, none of these cops have kids or, or families or anything like that. So, like, they wouldn't know.
1: That's true. Um.
0: So. Karen
1: brings the doll home and you know she's just kind of looking it over and she's she's telling it to talk, but of course he's not gonna do it to her right now. Um but she goes to look at the box and discovers that the batteries for the doll are still in the pack and then opens up the back of the doll. And the way that they've made this, this is just how dolls look. I think that was very the doll is very well made and opens it up and there's no batteries in him. And she has heard the doll speak. So um, she knows that this there's something weird going on. And then he says, Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play, and then violently comes alive and attacks her. But the one thing that <laughs> I dislike <laughs> is um Well no, and there's a great scene where um he She drops him and he rolls under the couch. It's so creepy the way that that happens. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Because I don't know how they did it, but it's not like CGI or anything. It's just a doll rolling by itself under the couch. And it's so scary. It's like, ooh, it gives shivers up your spine. And then she like looks under it and it gets her. Um, Then she does the stupidest thing. Uh, And I did think that the scene is so like funny in a good way. When she's like holding this doll and she's like, talk damn you, and like it's just a stupid looking doll. I don't know. Like, I wonder how the actress felt doing it. Um, but okay, then she starts a fire, holds it up, and then she's trying to threaten the doll, but then what she does is turn her back to the fire and holds it above her, giving the doll this power of and momentum to fall on her. And put her closer to the fire. I'm like, why would you do something like that? That's so stupid. Um, But it bites her. So she at least has, you know, some physical proof. But it runs away. um, And, uh, you know, is gone now. So. And yeah, he does say, you stupid bitch. You filthy slut. I'll teach you to fuck with me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty harsh language in the eighties. I gotta say, I, I, I do think that's I, great. I thought it was super scary, like when she when she finds the batteries. Yeah. Um, also, I did put in the notes when were batteries ever included, but okay. Um,
1: uh, yeah, that's I, like amazing. That's yeah, that's
0: a really <laughs> good deal. Um, but there's no batteries in the back, and then he when he turns his head around. Mm-hmm. And then he says, hi, Chucky, want to play? And I remember the theater was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> It's great. That was so fucking scary. Um, and then when his face changed, when he's just like, you know. Yeah, that's oh, great. That was pretty scary stuff.
1: It's the full Chucky glory. It's how we all, if you know anything about Child's Play, the franchise, this is the Chucky you have seen. Um, he looks terrifying and angry. It's great. I think that the the work they did on this doll is phenomenal. Um, so now it's the middle of the night and Karen is searching for Chucky and she goes to Norris and she's like, Okay, well, it turns out Andy was telling the truth. It is it is Chucky, and he's just like, Okay, lady. Like in his head, just thinks this mom's trying to cover up for her crazy son. Um but she shows him the bite mark and she's like, well, look at this, you know, um, and he just still isn't, you know, feeling it. So, so
0: then I, I did write,
1: which I know it's because it's a movie, but I wrote, why? Because she wants to find the doll and set this all straight. But I said, why does she want to investigate? Just get your son back and say your apartment has black mold and move. It probably does anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but she tells Norris, well, I'm just going to go find it myself, and I'm going to start with finding the peddler. And he's like, lady, you don't want to do that. This is a bad area. And she's like,
0: no, I'll do what I want.
1: So she runs away, and um, she finds the, the guy who's- says,
0: This is where he says, first she's going to go see the peddler, and then all that stuff happens. But then she wants to go to the store mm-hmm. where the doll came from, and he's like, well, it's not there anymore.
1: Yeah. But okay, she she goes to find the peddler and finds him in this group of, you know, homeless men. And um, he's like, well, that's going to cost some money. And she's like, well, I don't have enough. And he says, well, you got a lot, actually. And then they all proceed to try to assault her. Um, but then Nora saves her. We got some good old police brutality. But don't worry. These are the good guys. So they're allowed to do it because he just basically beats this man, this homeless man. um. And is like, well, you're going to answer all her questions or else I'm going to fucking kill you, I guess. Just, I don't know. Movies do this a lot where it's mm-hmm. like, well, the cops are the good guys, so it's actually okay that they do this. Um, but I feel like now with our knowledge of the world, we can be like, actually, this is terrifying. Um, but he forces to forces the peddler to admit that he stole the doll from the destroyed store She wants to go to that store, but Nora says, well, you can't because it was hit by lightning and destroyed, and that's where I killed Charles Lee Ray. And this is where I feel like to make to convince him that the doll is truly a part of something or that something nefarious is going on, why doesn't she say, oh, that's crazy, because my son said that that's the doll's real name? She doesn't say that.
0: Oh, you're right. Okay, you're right about that. And I feel like-
1: You could have that and just have Norris be like, he probably saw that name on the news or something. So yeah, you could, but like,
0: why yeah. would she
1: not bring it up? Um, That killed me. So Norris is skeptical, but Karen tries to warn him like, well, he's trying to tie up these loose ends. You're the next one. He's going to try to kill you because now he's killed Caputo. But he's like, okay, we'll go home, lady. So- not long after that Norris is driving and gets attacked by Chucky and his car, which this is an amazing sequence Chucky this like is
0: amazing.
1: he gets like a, a line to like choke him behind his um which this is one of my biggest fears is getting distracted by something in my car like a like a wasp or something while I'm driving. I just feel like that would be so terrifying and I would be so scared that I would crash um so you know he's trying to fend off a doll while driving, he's like mm-hmm. crashing into cars and whatnot. Um and then there's like the doll is like stabbing through the seat and he has to keep moving out of the way. It gets him almost in like the dick, but he like, you know, gets back and hops up. Um and he manages to shoot Chucky who gets wounded and starts bleeding and is in pain from getting shot. Um but the car crashes and Chucky escapes to his former voodoo instructor, John. To get answers, um, you know, so he shows up to John's house, all bloody and nasty, and he's like, "Hey, why am I? Why is this happening? Why am I bleeding? I'm not supposed to be like a living thing." And John informs him that the longer his soul remains in the doll, the more human the doll will become. And I do think you're right. Why would it not be the more doll he would become, and then That's you like amazing. don't have a soul anymore, right? But I think
0: that would be so cool. And that'd like, be
1: scary because you'd be like, oh, my soul's going to leave. I won't be able to run around anymore.
0: Wouldn't it, yeah. Or like, what if you, I don't know, transferred your soul into the body of a goat? Like, and then you mm. would become like more and more goat-like or something. Yeah, you like, lose your get, mind. I I don't get why you're becoming, why he's becoming more human.
1: Yeah. Doesn't and why sense. that would be an issue. Yeah. Is not what you want. You try to come back to life. But
0: Well, but he can be hurt. Like first, he ah. says like, "Nice try, Mikey," but you can't hurt me. But then he can be hurt. It turns out yeah. but he didn't know that. Um, but it doesn't make doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah.
1: Um. So, John's like, "Well, I'm not going to help you because you're an insane man." But he tortures Chucky. Tortures John. Because he has his own voodoo doll and starts breaking the limbs off of it, which is disturbing and disgusting. Mm. And so John reveals that in order to escape the doll's body, Chucky must transfer his soul to the first human he revealed his true identity to. And Chucky, I love this. Like It just shows what a piece of shit this guy is that he just starts laughing. And he's like, well, that's great news because I told a six-year-old boy that. And so then John's like, oh, fuck. my I just... (laughs) <laughs> condemned this child to death and chucky then you know decides to kill john uh, or not kill him but just really gets him good um and there's blood everywhere it's nasty so chucky leaves to go find andy and then karen and norris immediately find the dying john and before dying john tells them that to kill chucky they must strike his heart and to go soon because he's after the boy which it is nice that this guy has, you know, a conscience. So Chucky then arrives at the psychiatric hospital. And this is another thing is, well, I guess it can be explained by psychiatric hospitals are usually fucked up and bad. But, um, you know, basically Andy's saying to the doctor, like, you need to help me. Like, he's going to kill me. He's coming to kill me. And the doctor's just like, yeah, okay, kid. And I'm like, why wouldn't you at least protect him for his own mental health i guess but i guess the answer is just these places usually suck um
0: also just point of order though i don't even like unless it was like a state hospital or something like that like there's no way karen could afford like care for him or anything no. like that so it's yeah like and like, she
1: wouldn't have like custody of him anymore
0: yeah no yeah
1: yeah which is still amazing that she does have custody of him
0: it it really is <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and also i was kind of confused as to why andy is so sure that chucky's going to try to kill him like he doesn't know about the whole soul transfer thing and why why does he now know that chucky's evil
0: oh that's a really good point yeah he yeah doesn't really know because
1: for him he's just been in this hospital and his best friend has been staying with his mom for a few days
0: that's an excellent point mac I had not yeah. thought of that, yeah. But he's
1: like, he's coming to kill me. He's going to kill me. And
0: like, he's going to kill you too. Like, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't make sense that he would know that.
1: Yeah. Um. But uh, Chucky does arrive at the psychiatric hospital. Andy is a smart little boy, so he manages to break out of the room, and the doctor follows him. I do love this scene. They go into this like operating kind of room. And um, the doctor manages to grab Andy, which again, so scary to be a child. Mm-hmm. You're just so powerless. And he's got like a sedative that he's going to put into him because he's like, well, we just got to calm you down. But Andy knows that Chucky's in the room and um, <laughs> Chucky is on like, <laughs> oh no, that happens later. Um, And so Chucky reveals himself. And kills Andy's doctor with, like, an electroshock thing on his head, which is just brutal. It's, uh like, you know, his face and eyes get all bloody and he's just, ugh, it's horrible. But Andy manages to escape and leave the building Um and then we get a great scene of Chucky in the elevator with these old people just being like, who left that weird looking doll there? And then he says, like, what is he? He's just like, he says, fuck you two, fuck bitch.
0: When <laughs> yeah. well, she goes, um, ugly doll. She like <laughs> leaves the elevator and he goes, fuck you. <laughs> That's great.
1: So Andy gets home and Chucky knocks him out so that he can transfer a soul. As he prepares to possess him, Karen and Norris arrive. So oh, they do all sorts of things to this doll. Um, Chucky stabs Norris, but Karen and Andy manage to set him on fire, and he still just keeps on coming. The horribly burned Chucky attacks again, but Karen shoots him, blowing his limbs and head off. <laughs> and this is another point where I'm like, get, get any like, do you have any sort of thing you could put him in? like put the pieces in. Mm. Like they just leave these pieces. Like they they go back to the room to check on Norris. I'm like, "I don't care. You already know things are weird when a doll can come to life. Find something to put this guy in or keep him in your line of sight." But they're like, "Don't go near the doll." Why? I want to keep him in my sights. Cuz then Norris's partner Jack arrives. And they're like, hey, just don't go near the doll because he's evil. And even Norris is like, yeah, the doll's evil. And he, of course, doesn't believe them because who would? And then Chucky's body bursts through a vent to strangle him. Norris shoots Chucky's body through the heart and finally kill him. And then they just fucking leave the house. The group leaves to get Norris to the hospital as a traumatized Andy looks back at Chucky's remains. Put the doll in something. Don't you want it studied by science? Like, I don't know. Like, figure, th- but then I know they're doing this because they need to leave open a possibility for the 8 million movies they're going to make after this. But it makes no goddamn sense why you wouldn't get anything to put the, like, this is just where I was like raging. Like, put him in a barrel, put him in a safe. I don't know. But.
0: And they don't really address, I don't think, Andy's trauma until. Um, there. I don't know if it's in the show or if it's like because I've seen all the movies Um, mm-hmm. and um. but anyway at some point he's been trying to get a hold of the actual Chucky doll like the very one from his very you know childhood and he takes out like like all that's left is like the head or I don't know all that's left is like a piece of like original thing and he just takes it out and like tortures it. Oh my god. Like he's got it like in a safe and he yeah. just like pulls it out from time to time and just like fucks with it. Oh god. And um keeps it alive. <gasps> it's, like, fucked Jeez, up. that's shit. dark. It's very dark. But I'm but I I kind of believe it. I mean this kid's been through just the stuff in the psychiatric hospital. I mean what well, you know his aunt dying and you know all that other stuff. I mean, this kid is like, you know, really severely traumatized. But that yeah. that scene in the in the psychiatric hospital, um, where he just keeps like stumbling back and like falling down and, and just like no no, and and then he sees like the death of that doctor. It's just like this oh poor my kid. God. It's, re- yeah. it's so sad.
1: And there is a great line from Andy because Chucky's like. Andy, don't do this. I want to be your best friend. And he goes, this is the end friend. And then gets him. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's some trivia. Chucky's full name, Charles Lee Ray, is derived from the names of notorious killers Charles Manson, Lee Harvey Oswald, the assassin of John F. Kennedy, and James Earl Ray, who assassinated Martin Luther King. Um, According to director Tom Holland, the shot of Maggie falling to her death was achieved by having a stunt woman do the main shot, followed by a concrete-filled dummy when she hits the car, which had charges underneath the window to shatter them. Wow. And I do think the effects in this movie are just phenomenal.
0: They're pretty good, yeah.
1: Catherine Hicks, who plays Karen, and Kevin Yagher, who is Chucky's creator, met on set and were married a year later and are still married, which is pretty amazing. Uh, a marriage lasting that long. The film used various ways to portray Chucky, including RC animatronics and little people or child actors. Various animatronics and cosmetics were used for every scene throughout the movie. Chucky's cosmetics transitioned from looking toy-like to a more human look. The film created multiple Chucky animatronics, such as a flailing tantrum Chucky, a walking Chucky, and a stationary Chucky. The animatronic's face was controlled by a remote control through a rig that goes on one's face and captures facial movements.
0: That was pretty cool. Like I um I watched The Kill Count for this one and um that's pretty cool. So you have like one actor with like a, like, you know, stuff on mm. his face and then like on this like just like the head of like an animatronic doll. so cool. Like, and I I did. think
1: That's really where this movie shines. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, I think the opposite has happened where you have made me enjoy this film a lot more through talking to you. Um, (laughs) I was still frustrated by some things, by some of the writing, but I do feel like the, the quality of like the effects and I feel like why the movie hits so good is because of the work they put into the Chucky doll. Like it would not be this iconic had those really talented people not done all that work to make that doll as creepy as it was. Like, and it's not just, Ooh, creepy doll, but like, like, like how it says it's like, there's a, there's a breadth of like different ways to be creepy. It's not the same note over and over again. You get a bunch of different notes, which is great.
0: And I can't remember which one is supposed to be the, like the really terrible one, but, um, and you, I don't know if you have to watch them all. I kind of like it when it gets to like um, cult and curse because yeah. then you have Brad, Brad Dorif's daughter Fiona,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, who's amazing. She does like an impression of her dad. I don't. It's hard to explain. It's like it's like the doll possesses this woman, um, played by Fiona Dorif. And so she's just sort of like embodying her dad. Mm. Oh, it's so cool. And um, I mean, seed is pretty buck wild and then child uh, or there's bride and then there's seed and the seed in question is actually a non-binary kid. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. Glenn slash Glenda, mm-hmm. which is like, uh, I don't know, Edward joke or whatever. But, um, there's a lot of creativity in the franchise and this, and the show is uh, the the kid who is obsessed with the Chucky doll or dolls in general is uh, gay. And so huh. he has a boyfriend and it's, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, really great effects. I mean, now we're into the 2020s and so, so, you know, we've got some really great, effects at our disposal and stuff. But I feel like there's just a lot of creativity um, with a lot of people, you know, involved in the franchise. The 2019 was like a whole other, it was like intellectual property rights Mm. kind of didn't have really anything to do with the original creators. And I feel like that's why it falls
1: flat is because you need the like passion. You can't just, yeah. Which it clearly has and why it, has so many people who really like it and like are enamored with like the franchise.
0: Yeah. I would say I'm one of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, to watch all of them, I feel like, yeah. I've gotta like it a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's some I wouldn't watch like more than once or anything like that. But I mean, I feel like when you get into like, um, I like Cult of Chucky. I really do. I don't know if that puts me in the minority, but I think it's kind of interesting um, where the franchise goes at that point. But I've seen—I don't know if I'm not caught up on the show, but I've seen a lot of the show, and mm. I would—I would recommend it. I think it's really good. That's something. Um, that's something if you're looking for something to do, you could watch.
1: Yeah, the show. I always it's just called something.
0: Chucky. Okay,
1: I'll look it up. Where can I watch it?
0: Well, it was on Sci-Fi. I don't know where it is, but you know, you're creative. Mm. You can find it.
1: I'll figure it out. <laughs> In the scene where Chucky runs behind Maggie in the hallway, Chucky was actually played by Alex Vincent's younger sister. That's cool. See, and that's so creative. Like, you need to have multiple views and multiple, you know, but it all feels cohesive still, which is also good. There's no letterboxed. (gasps)
0: Oh, my goodness. Let me see if I can find it. I might have. I just have two five-star reviews. I don't have any, like, um, I like to end with, like, half-star reviews, but I don't have any of those. I've got um, Albertolo um, gave it five stars. When a six-year-old is the main suspect for multiple murders, I'm in. (laughs) and Becky Dark gave it 4 stars. It starts with one of the most it starts with one of the best opening scenes to a horror film ever and ends with that freeze frame of Andy looking back through the gap in the door, looking like his childhood trauma is legit. Oh. What a movie.
1: And it is. <laughs> How would we rate it?
0: I'll give it 4.
1: But like what's the system of rating?
0: Overall's.
1: I'll give it 4 overall's too.
0: Really, you will? I will. What would you have given it before our conversation, I wonder?
1: 3.75.
0: Shut the door. (laughs) You came in hot. You were like, this movie blows.
1: I think before talking about it, maybe three. But then talking about it, I was like, I think you're right about all of the... My first viewing, I think I was also having a bad day, so the bad stuff was standing out a lot.
0: <laughs> there I mean, there are some plot holes. And I bet, you know, if Don Mancini and Tom Holland and all those people could go back, they might like say it yeah. okay, it a lot of really like but I mean, some of but the special effects are pretty good given yeah. the time, you know, and um I do think that there's a lot of heart in this film.
1: What have we learned?
0: Well, I was going to say believe children, but I don't know if that's a good lesson. I mean, I they think, can be like little, I don't, I mean-
1: listen and, listen and try to figure out why this is being said. I feel like is don't just brush it off. Is like yeah. kids are speaking their own language and you have to learn how to decipher it if you really want to make them feel like what they're saying has worth and meaning.
0: There is a moment where- she gets pretty mad at him in the very beginning, like the very first night and she yells at him and he said, it's because Maggie died that you're yelling at me. Right, mom.
1: I love that part.
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. I mean, he's, you know, sometimes with kids it's hard cause they're written like very unrealistically and they speak with this vocabulary that no kid has and things like that. But I think this does a pretty good job. Yeah. He seems like a six or seven year old kid.
1: Yeah. And he sees the world that way. Yeah. Would we watch it again? Yes. Favorite scene or death?
0: (laughs) I guess I'll go with Norris in the car Mm -hmm. being attacked by Chucky.
1: (laughs) That is pretty good. I'll go with Karen and Chucky in the house or in the apartment because that one is just like, mwah just like beautiful the doll yeah. rolling under the couch that's just iconic
0: It's so good
1: they they managed to get that because it's such a short moment but it's like something that you'd see out of the corner of your eye that would be wrong right. and that's my favorite type of horror is like because we all have moments like that where we're like wait what was that but what if it was real is the scariest thing yes. And I would say that Eddie Caputo wins the You Fool Award, because why didn't he smell that gas? Why with smelling all that gas would you fire that gun? Cause that's yeah. the thing, is I don't care if there was no flame. Gas smells pretty bad. It can give you a headache. And if it was that much gas that like even firing a gun blows up the whole house, <laughs> he's smelling that gas. So yeah. but I would believe that he would be that stupid. I do too. Yeah. But Hanging at out least with
0: Charles Lee Ray. I mean
1: Yeah, you gotta be pretty dumb. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you, Mac, for having this conversation with me about creepy dolls. Of course. And thank you, Woho's, for joining us for this episode. And for all your support, it means the world of horror to us truly. Next time, we're going to be looking at coming-of-age films with The Innocents from Norway and The Clove Hitch Killer from the U.S. I I always forget to write the rest of the script. We love, remember, Woho's, we love you. (laughs) (laughs) And don't go into the basement.